to this edition of Spotlight. My name is Brogan, and if it sounds weird to have me do the intro, that is because my co-host Chelsea had a last-minute emergency today and couldn't make it. So I hope you won't miss the dulcet sound of her voice too much with this interview. Uh, if this is your first time checking out Spotlight, this is an offshoot of the Prognotes podcast, where we chat with some incredible artists and musicians in the progressive rock scene. Thank you for joining us today, and thank you to all of the Prognotes patrons for helping these episodes happen. Check out what the benefits are of becoming a patron at patreon.com prognotes. Today's special guest is Ulrich from Tauk, here to talk about their most recent release, the album Companion. And I'm, I'm sure you've heard that so many times, and I apologize, that egregious pun was Chelsea's doing in the script. <laughs> uh, but nice to have yeah. you here, Ulrich. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, thanks for having me, Brogan. Um, yeah, my name's Alric, and uh, yeah, I play in Talk. I'm a New York City, uh, you know, New York-based progressive rock fusion band. Um, I grew up on Long Island. Uh, I've been playing piano for a long time. Um, my mom used to teach me, and uh, yeah, man, it's just uh, it's been a really fun experience being able to play music for the past like 30 plus years. Um, and like you know, that's what I do. Uh, it's kind of crazy. So um, I'm really happy, really blessed. Uh, and uh, yeah, man, and I'm still I still write, I still compose um, for other projects and and arrange for different um, pieces and whatnot. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm in the industry and and I've uh, been around. That's fantastic. Uh, so onto these questions here. First one, can you describe what the phrase chaos companion means to you? A chaos companion, I mean, it can mean so many different things. I mean, when I think about chaos companion, the first thing that comes to mind is like your road dog, you know, like mm. who's sitting shotgun? Um, I don't know if they have those expressions in Canada, yes. but, uh, <laughs> but um, like who who's your uh, who's your ace? You know who you're gonna what's gonna keep the chaos? What's gonna quell it? Obviously, this past year, um, the past 18 months has been very up and down for a lot of people. Some more um, impacted than others, uh, but for us, it allowed us to kind of hone in and, and settle down um, and kind of find our center amid all this chaos. Um, you know, and for us, we really try to focus in on bringing in like who we are, what do we want to do. We can do anything we want, especially as an instrumental band. Um, so yeah, that's what Chaos Companion means to me. Mm, all right. And who would you say is your Chaos Companion? My Chaos Companion? It depends, man. I mean, week to week. You know, um, it could be the band, uh, it could be family, it could be my dog, my schnoodle, oh. you know. Um, be you know my partner, whatever it may be. But I will say that music has been the common thread, kind of weaving you know this chaos of life. Um, it brings it together. All right. Uh, Chelsea had noticed that there was a lot of sort of vintage video game songs and sounds that that she noticed in her music, and she was wondering uh, if you have a favorite video game that you draw on. Oh, so it sounds like Chelsea's a nerd too. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Well, nerds unite, as I as I say often. Um, favorite video game? I'd have to say Turtles in Time, like uh, the one for uh, Super Nintendo. Uh, yeah, we actually did. There was a reference, one of the songs on, on um, Chaos Companion. Technodrome is actually paying homage to uh, that game. There's a level called Technodrome, or even <laughs> even in the Ninja Turtle saga, um, that's where Krang and like Shredder's minions, like it's just 
underground rover thing that they they live in and they compile all their devious plans and whatnot in the technodrome Mwahaha. oh that's awesome so, <laughs> it, so it sounds like you're pretty into like classic games like i, I i'm a, yeah, man. i'm a bit of a collector of, of like consoles and old games and stuff like that uh but like i haven't like dipped my fingers like fully into that yet and got into like everything yeah, man, we've done we've done video game cover sets, everything from like Sonic to Tetris to like or did you know various different things like that. And I mean, we've been someone reached out was like, yeah, you guys should cover Castlevania, <laughs> you know, um, and all those. You think back to like some of those songs, all those eight bit tracks, and when um, you know the product development, the video game companies didn't really give a shit about. Um, like what bands are going to be about it, you know? Now you can't get into video games like, you know, there's uh, 2K or football, whatever it is. It's like now the the, um, the music supervisors, whoever putting those together are like, you know, paying into like the industry and whoever signed and whatnot. It used to be like a field day for awesome bands or just bands that people didn't really know about. And it was a way to kind of like come up. I remember listening to like uh, video games like Street Skater, which brought me into completely different genres of music where it's like um, real big fish, like all these different bands and stuff like that. So that was really cool about video games back in the day. Mm. You know, I remember reading a lot about like how much the soundtrack to like the Tony Hawk skater games, like influenced a whole generation and, and, and games like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you think about a band like Primus, you know, you, when you think about, Tony Hawk, you think about Jerry was a race car driver, you know, and that's really cool to me to see a band who's super capable and also super original and still around to make that staple and be able to have that song kind of represent almost like you said, like a generation. And it shows to me that people, you know, not to say that people aren't listening these days, but there's a certain kind of like synchronicity as far as like something being cool and being accepted and then also being put onto different platforms. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm curious about your approach to rhythm, especially on tracks like your opener, Shandera. Shandera? Is that how you say it? Shandara, yeah, Shandara. Uh, it feels almost disorienting until about a minute in with like all the rhythmic layering going on in that track. Well, that, that one was cool, you know, that so that song was maybe eight years ago. We tracked that um, for our uh, one of our early records, Homunculus. And we just kind of sat on it. It just didn't necessarily feel like it was supposed to be on that record. Um, so now that we had all this time, we delved into the catalog and brought that one back up. And it, we added a few layers to it. But for the most part, that was really the original take. Um, and as far as like the layers, you know, it's like, it's kind of sounds like how it started. Meaning like uh, we walked into the studio and we were all, it was first thing we did in the morning. So it was kind of casual. It kind of sounds like lazy. Some things feel a little bit behind, but it's just kind of forming and morphing until, like you said, a minute, it all kind of comes together. Um, and you feel that drop. You know, uh, a lot of what we're doing is just what feels good. It's not something that we necessarily plan like, oh, we need this 30 second triplet here, or yes. like this needs to be here, you know? Um, I know it kind of sounds cliche, but if it feels good, it feels good. And for that track, we really wanted it to be something that was atmospheric um, sounds coming in and out, weaving in and out, textures coming in, um, just showing a different kind of color of what we do. To me, that song was very reminiscent of like waking up in the morning, you know, and stretching it out mm. and figuring out, you know, just 
kind of like your meditation before you start your day for sure now do you guys all like do you record live in the studio like all together absolutely oh, yeah. yeah absolutely um i mean up until recently I, I mean this up until really like this record most of our stuff is has been like the take you know we get the right take we're not really doing too many edits maybe on a solo here or there but for the most part the drums for that are we all play together because you need for as, as far as i'm concerned i think you you need to have the energy all together in that moment and when you get that energy then you can layer anything on top of it because it's right there um so we definitely track the drums live we also been experimenting with different things um as far as like how to cut the drums up um a lot of the times you know we've been a pretty performance based with some of our uh recordings um but now that we're in Ableton and we're using DAWs in different ways, we're able to cut stuff up and make loops so that it feels like mm. a loop, you know, and like, and that's okay. You know, it's still us playing. Um, but yeah, these are different, different techniques and things that were used to recreate like a vibe. Like the let out is an example of that where we all played live, but like for some of the, for some of the court verses, I think we cut up like a, an eight bar loop. So like when it's tight, it feels tight. And like, you know, you don't necessarily realize that, oh, it's because we cut this up, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I wish more bands sort of took that energy as, as a base. Like one that comes to mind is like, uh, is Coheed and Cambria. They had Colors Before the Sun and they live recorded just that album. Like that's the only one they like live recorded together. And there is just like this sort of, sort of energy in the air. Uh, just around yeah. that entire record and yeah it it, it adds like sure. yeah again like while you were saying that that different vibe that um yeah that sort of power behind it that's a little different than what you hear from what most bands do right you i mean that's not to take away from say some of the heavier edm acts where bass is a little bit different you know the role of bass um just works different with that music and different in a live setting, you know, or recording, you know, the, how it translates. You know, you look at, we release a lot of our shows on nugs.net um, and it's important mixing the crowd right. Otherwise you just sound like you're in a vacuum and you could be playing the dopest shit of all time, but it, it won't translate um, unless the balance is right, you know? For sure. Uh, Chelsea asked, uh, what was your favorite part and least favorite part of working on this album? Uh, I think the favorite part and least favorite part was the same thing. So many songs, you know, so we came into pre-production um, and we laid down at least 30 songs. Oh, wow. um, so we went from our catalog being about 65 originals, you know, up, up like our 60 originals close to 90 now. Um, so that's a lot of work. That's a lot of memorization and it's ambitious and we can do it and we are doing it. Um, but it's just a lot, you know, to really hone in. So you have to really decide per day or per song or, you know, in the moment, like, all right, what are we going to approach macro? What are we going to approach micro? What do we focus in on? What songs complement each other? What songs help make the base, the, the best statement? Um, what is fluid and what's going to, What's gonna bang, you know? What's gonna rock, you know? So, uh, because we're all different um, writers, um, we also listen to the same a lot of the same music, but we're all different people, so we feel things differently. So, 
my songs aren't necessarily going to hit the same way that Matt's songs or Charlie's or Isaac's. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm being just kind of, big, you know, for an example, but like Isaac's songs might hit with Matt's songs. So maybe we compile those together, right, and take the best of that. Um, and that's the album, you know. So uh, there's all different ways we, we try to do it. Um, and we just try to, again, if it feels good, it feels good, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this one's a little bit of a hefty one. <laughs> uh, uh, you make use of some world music elements, such as like the percussion and some interesting instruments in Make Your Move. Uh, it makes for some like intriguing timbres mixed in with more of the like rock leaning bass that almost reminds me of Dewa Bujana, the Indonesian guitarist. Um, oh, at nice. times, uh, like specifically sort of his Mahandini album that featured Jordan Rudess and Marco Miniman. Uh, I gotta check that out now. You also include the shady horns on Dormammu. So what sort of process do you have of discovering where some of these more interesting sounds might fit into the music? Yeah, so, you know, I I have an issue with like, I mean, who, who knows how to be exactly PC these days, but like when we when we talk about world music, a lot of the times we're just referring to non-Western yes. music. Um, and like, which doesn't necessarily make it of the world, <laughs> but I, I know exactly what you mean. And I've too have described it that way as, as a way to just convey like the sounds that I'm hearing for all these instruments that I have no idea how to spell or how to name. It is like a catch-all um, term. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, this is like, what is like the, the is rock music, not world music? I don't know, you know, but anyway, I digress. But uh, so, uh, you know, it's, that that song started off again when, like maybe six years ago it was in the back it was like on the back burner and um it's just again if it feels good and sounds good you know you want to do it you, so for me when i'm finding some of those sounds right we find it digitally and then we like to recreate it um recreate it live and bring in somebody who can actually do it so on make your move we had the dulcimer we had uh this great player max um from House of Waters, uh, where he's in a dulcimer trio, bass, drums, and a dulcimer. And um, he was able to give this texture and it kind of called for it, you know? Um, different patterns, different rhythms kind of evoke a certain sound. Um, and makes people brings people in just a little bit, you know? You, you're hearing this and you're like, you're, your ears hear that there's something different. And it just brings you a little bit, you know, uh, closer to try to figure out what it is. Um, collaboration is definitely something I think is huge in the talk camp these days. I think we've done a pretty solid job of establishing who we are as an instrumental outfit. Um, and that's the power of also being an instrumental band. It's like we can do whatever we want. So if we want to bring in a dulcimer player, and we can bring in a dulcimer player and still make it rock. Um, if we want to bring in the Shady Horns um, for a track that's a little bit more electronic EDM, you know what I mean? Kind of pretty lights kind of vibe, we can do that too. Um, all while maintaining our, inde- our our integrity and not losing any of, you know, you know, our, it's all with maintaining our identity and not losing any of our integrity. That's what I'm, I'm trying to say. Yeah, I was, you know, so I was wondering what that sound was because I, I I heard it and I'm like, is that a koto? Is that a dulcimer? Like, what is that? And yeah, yeah it's like I forget exactly what it's called on the keyboard, but we use that same MIDI sound with sounds like you know, like sometimes 
as a piano player, is like I have a hard time playing like MIDI keyboard sometimes or doing certain sounds because of the level of cheese. You know, it just 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 feels so cheesy. Um, but when you make composite sounds, um, that's a little bit different. You know, where you blend things, and that's what I'm really big on as far as a keyboard player um, and a writer and um, sound crafter. It's like you want things to if you blend things a certain way it hits and it resonates and you can't tell you know and it's a little different and those are the things when you had all those little nuances that continue to add up that help make your your total sound different and unique you know so bringing in people in has been been super fun um the shady horns are great i'm sure we're going to work with them again we've worked with them in the past they're on our live record um headroom uh, doing actually that the Kill Bill cover, um, Battle Without Honor and Humanity. So yeah, it's it's been fun, and we're gonna work with some vocalists in the, for the next release that we already got in the works. And yeah, man, we're we're busy. I actually have a hammered dulcimer under my desk right now. That's just sitting oh, nice. collecting dust until the right moment. <laughs> nice, nice. It's um, it was crazy because that song to nerd out real quick. That song just happened to be in c sharp had that song been in c or like another key we wouldn't he wouldn't have been able to do it we would have to change the song and it was just crazy you forget about these you know in the other places of the world there's just other scales there's other things um there's other intervals um approaches and it's just funny you have this song and like you know we're all pro and we invite homie to come by and like oh, we're like oh shit, this is c sharp is this gonna work <laughs> You know, um, no, it's really interesting. It's been a, it was a fun process working with Max and um, just collaborating with uh, all the people on, on this record. It's been great. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting thing to think about is like the, the, the differences between like different cultures and scales and how music is formed, because I know I've done a lot of studying on the shakuhachi and like a bunch of Japanese mm -hmm. modes and like that wouldn't work with a lot of world music or a lot of like our Western uh, music just because uh, the the way the the five tones in that scale that pentatonic uh it works yeah, yeah, yeah. right and and there's so many and, and then you look at it there's so many pentatonic japanese scales you're like oh yes. oh, oh shit <laughs> <laughs> wait wait how many permutations are you you know but yeah the the, the shamisen the koto the like the um Shakuhachi, like all those instruments it's like they're cool timbres man and the attack of them is just different and like you know, um, we don't, we're not used to hearing those things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I find that uh, a lot like it differences in, in, in voices and stuff too. Like a lot of people can't get into Japanese music because of like the, the timbre of their voices. Cause it's just different. It's come from a different perspective and, and tradition. Yeah, I, it's funny man. I watched a lot of anime and, um, like, you know, all the, the anime theme songs are a lot of times more like punk kind of esque. Yeah. But uh, it's just funny. Their vocals are so ranging, and it's just like it's, it's sharp as far as just like the attack of it, how it hits. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not as say like it's not as as warm as say some or soft as say like English in some in some regards. You know, or or French. You know, it's just it's funny just to to hear that that juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Like, I I think that. I've heard that a lot in uh, sort of more folk music from Japan and stuff too. So I think it's like very much ingrained in the tradition and has been translated to like a modern medium. Because like if you look at uh, like folk songs like Soran Bushi, which is the uh, like the Fisher 
lad sort of uh or what is it it's like a, a, a it's a fisherman folk song like they would sing it as mm-hmm. they were were going out to sea to bring back a catch for the day and and a right. lot of the recordings the traditional recordings that we have are like a very shrill sort of nasal voice and then like a call back and right 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 not for sure you know and, and it's it's weird too i mean to even nerd out even more it's not like you know just intervals and like going back to the scales like in western culture like we really don't like the major third just really i mean it exists but it's just it's kind of cheating yes. you know it doesn't and like after 400 years or whatever <laughs> like you, it's just going to be the way the, the world hears it you know so it's all it's all relative man it's all relative mm-hmm. we won't even get into <laughs> microtones and stuff but <laughs> yes ah uh, well chelsea uh, she wanted to know what the inspiration for the surrealist vibe in your music video was. And she says that she loves surrealism, but she found this to kind of put her in the uncanny valley, per se. Oh, is it in regard to uh, Mundo? Yeah, or uh, what is it? The, the, oh, what was in the, it was the Let It. Um, was it the Let Out? Yeah, the Let Out. Yeah. Possibly. Okay. Uh, so so the let out was uh directed by um by our our homie danny uh barbary yeah Yeah, danny barbary she's a a fantastic producer film director um and she has a great vision she's a homie we used to be friends or i mean we still are but uh with a bunch of the guys from turquoise and um she was in that camp in the local new york um so we brought her in to kind of help with this vision with this new music we wanted to get heard and we wanted to be seen um and so for i'll start with munda real quick munda was more of a we wanted to have space party kind of like on the moon (laughs) a lot of our of our textures and what we were doing is honestly feels kind of ethereal so that felt like a shoe in as far as like going and and doing that that was a crazy day um she brought in really cool people out of uh, out of brooklyn um this company called vox labs who actually had a robotic camera and was able to construct this um like the the stage was two was three led walls like two at like a at a 90 degree angle and then a floor so we were able to recreate the moon we were able to like actually like do all these really cool things um and it was like the next level of, above a green screen sometimes the green screen you gotta make sure everything's green and like it can look kind of strange and tacky um but this was super pro and she spent hella time like building actually making like the the floor of the moon the ground and like concrete and flour and starch all this crazy took from shit. uh the mandalorian sort of kind of, no literally yeah. it's kind of like what what that was and that's exactly kind of how they did those same shots of him like walking down onto the planet or whatever it was um so it was really cool to integrate this technology and i think it went came off really well as far as like how it synced with the music um she's also a, a nerd as well so there's references to the police video there's references to the black and white film um that like you know where the moon lands and the spaceship lands in the moon's eye there's all these really cool um nerdy moments about it and uh yeah now I, I thought that was great the let out on the other hand a little bit more of a fun side like you know we've all now we're touring musicians you know we've seen it we've seen it all to a certain uh certain extent and like the let out is a reference to like uh when the club gets out, you know, it's just like, that's where everyone's like 
trying to find out where they're going, what's going down, you know, where the, where's the after party at? Um, and this was just more of our lighter side, of, kind of a funny approach on like, you know, a, a disaster date. You know, yeah. you, everything's supposed to go right. You got all the cues, you got the text messages, the girl's cute, she's into you and all about you. But, uh, you know, your head's just too big. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, it was fun. We we had a, had a good good time with that and filming that one. Uh, yeah, again, Danny did that one as well. And yeah, it was it was great to just. I feel like sometimes in the prog world or like you know certain instrumental bands or stuff like that, like sometimes people take themselves too seriously, you know, and like. It's okay, you know, if like, you know, it's great to play in seven and nine and all these other times and, you know, but like the way to enjoy music isn't necessarily always to be like, three, one, two, three, you yes. know what I mean? And like, this is the lighter side of what we do and it still rocks, you know, it's just kind of like this R&B 90s meets like, meets like, uh, what you call it? Like Rage Against the Machine. You know, so it's just a way to show another side of what we do and have fun. And, and um, I appreciate the reaction to it from everyone. I think everyone is being light about it um, and understanding, you know, so we didn't get canceled. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's like one thing. Uh, I think, man, it feels like Devin Townsend really led that sort of whole party by with the like the whole like humor flag and just like <laughs> not taking yourself too yeah. seriously. And it, it kind of, it, yeah, there, there's, there's a few people like that. It was like sort of open the road to like more pro musicians, which is standardly like just more conservative and nobody's moving on stage or having any fun. Yeah, you can't have yeah, any yeah, fun at all because you're counting too hard oh, cool. and, <laughs> right, like, listen, the audience may be, like, you know, half 50-year-old dads all in black. But at the same time, like, hey, man, you're traveling, sleeping in this hotel, sleeping on this bus, you're doing all this shit, or you haven't been playing for 18 months, it's time to have fun. Yeah. It's time to let loose. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, and and that's what we're about. You know, it's about making all that stuff. You know, if you're playing an odd meter or whatever, you, you make it feel good. You know what I mean? You should still be able to two-step, yes. like, regardless <laughs> You know, that does so. feel like it brings so much more uh, like energy to any live performance as well. If you have like that sort of, I, yeah, that energy about you, you bring like more humor and, and not less like just stand in place and hey, here's my technical skill. Um, yes. Yeah. Like that's one thing like uh, I saw Stephen Wilson a few years ago. He came through for, uh, I think, his uh, permeating uh, tour. Um, and like, he was trying to get people to dance and then like all these prog musicians, like wearing all black are all just like introverted <laughs> people who are just standing still and like, nobody does anything. And <laughs> like dance girls, what? Yeah. no, but it, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. Like, it, like it shouldn't matter what time it's in. It's, it's just when it hits, it should hit and it should move mm -hmm. regardless of what, what it is. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer of that, you know, and it's like you, you shouldn't be thinking even the nerds, even the, the technical musicians like, you know, like shouldn't necessarily be not shouldn't. But like when you're hearing something, you're experiencing something, you want to be able to receive it as this, you know what I mean? And, and fully take it in. So, yeah, I, I, I want to bring that to like 
to the scene. You know, it's interesting. I look at bands like Chan, um, whose whose YouTube's videos are are great, but you know, it, it seems like that's kind of what it is. Like a lot of people go to see what they do as their technical proficiency is, is stellar, you know. Um, but I don't know if I wanted that same dynamic at the show. I want to rage at their show. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Well, you already told us a little bit more about Danny Barbieri, but do you have like any more experiences or, or stories with her that just like really connected like with making these videos and this album? Uh, well, it's just, I mean, for the moon dub, you know, that was like a 12 hour day. We were in those moon suits. Um, they're cheap, but they're plastic and they, they're hot, yeah. <laughs> you know? So you talk about like, you know, 90% humidity in the Brooklyn warehouse in the middle of July, yeah. bro. That's, uh, that's some, that's some real shit. You know what I'm saying? You know, I know it gets cold up there. I'm sure you have some other stories for, for me on the cold, but as far as the humidity and the heat in New York city in the middle of July, that is rough. So we had ice packs like on the, putting in our suits everywhere you know in between takes um she was about it she was a team player at the end of the day um and like she helped put something together that i didn't think was possible or that i mean i thought it was possible but actually seeing it come together how it did considering all the moves and all the you know whatever bumps in the road or the process of just doing that you know um was really cool and um yeah it's it's it was great i was happy to work with her for these two videos um yeah the other video we did was with uh, a director sophia cogner uh that was make your move and that one was also a little bit more fun where we went to brooklyn bowl and got some tricycles and <laughs> rode around and threw shit at each other so you know again um it's about it's about having fun and having done this um being friends for so long um you know uh, the the, te- the four of us have been friends for like 10 at least 10, 12 years. Um, it's been great, you know, how to keep it fresh and keep the music going and, and keep people engaged from Canada to Florida to Arizona, you know, the whole shit. Absolutely. All right, so last question here. Um, what are some of your plans for the future? Are you guys touring this album at all with uh, restrictions sort of? Yeah, we just finished the tour. I actually came back. We came back home last Monday. Uh, well, this two, well, this this past Monday, um, and uh, from a three-week run, and it was great. We went. Uh, we started in, in uh, Rhode Island, went down to Brooklyn, ended up going to Virginia, all the way down to Alabama, and Mississippi. Uh, we were supposed to go to Jazz Fest, um, but Jazz Fest got canceled. So we had this hole in, in that we had to figure out how the hell are we going to fill this week. Um, we ended up going to Missouri, which was. Ironically, three of our, our really best, some of our best shows in Missouri <laughs> with three weeks of promotion. Um, it just kind of gives you an insight into the climate um, and what's going on. It was different state to state. It was really weird in some places, you know, you're dealing with vaccination only versus negative tests and everywhere is different. Uh, but one thing that was very obvious was people needed music. Um, people were, or their souls were hungry for it, you know? And it was cool to see the appreciation um, and being able to share again and, and feel like you matter in that way um, and that you make a difference. Uh, that was really inspiring for a tour. Um, and for a lot of people, they, they was like, this is my first time out in 18 months. Like, I came out for you guys, um, you know, which is a, a huge compliment. Um, so it was great to play and show them the new music 
um, and see the reaction because normally we, we road test stuff before we actually record it. Uh, but this time, because of the situation, it was a little bit different, but it, it did make a difference. Um, people were as receptive. Um, so for the future, we are we already have another record in the book and really kind of recorded. We're just finishing it up. I'm actually going to the studio um, later today and later this week to you know finish finish that up, uh, hopefully before before January. Um, and again, like I was saying, planning on having a bunch of collaborations, uh, vocalists to you know, friends and horns, like the whole thing. Um, we want to make this a little bit more of an immersive uh, project for us and show people what we can do uh, with some friends. Um, it's great. You know, we have our platform, we have our base, but I only think this will take us to uh, another level and broaden um, our demographic and um, the people who are listening, you know. So it's for us, It's it, we can do the prog thing if we want. We can do the rock thing. We can kind of do the R&B hip-hop thing if we want to um you know but it's just about making it feel good and like it's great to be able to have that uh that diversity absolutely yeah that's fantastic well thank you so much for coming on alaric it's been yeah bro, awesome. that, bro it's been awesome chatting with you um where can people find you you can find us on uh, at talkband.com uh, you could also find me personally at alericcartermusic.com. Uh, I teach lessons, do consultations. Um, if you just want to hang, whatever, you can figure something out. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, and you can also find me at Ace Carter Keys um, on Instagram. And you can find us at TalkBand um, at all things, Twitter, Instagram, IG. Awesome. It's It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, man. Likewise. And we would like to thank all of you so much for listening to this edition of Spotlight. If you've enjoyed the episode or learned something new, please subscribe. If you'd like to hear more interviews and get more prog rock content, you can become a special Prog Notes patron at patreon.com prognotes. Also, come join our Discord community, a chat room for all prog rock fans and fans of the show. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook. All of these links are in this episode's description. Join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of prog rock. Destin and Drew will be back with another episode on the 15th. See you on Discord. Thank you.